listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Thank y'all so much. Y'all can grab a seat. Man, good worship this morning? Yeah, awesome. We give God a hand. That's cool. <laughs> Thank you, five of you that clapped. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I was thinking it's kind of cool. It was random, but uh, I remember, like, but obviously, man, all of them have done an incredible job. It was cool this morning thinking about uh, Corbin and Channing leading. Just remember when they were starting out leading worship as little, like, Sixth graders, and uh, man, it's cool to see how God's using them. So God's faithful. So on uh, what day was it? Friday. Yeah, I went to the flower shop. Not something I normally do, but uh, my wife had kind of had a long week at work um, and feeling sick, and so I thought, man, she she deserves some flowers. And so go into the flower shop and talking with the lady there that was uh, working, and. When she, set, she made the arrangement and set it up on the desk so I could check out, and I just said, man, these flowers smell really good. And she said, you know, that's the one thing about working here. Uh, I can't really smell flowers anymore. And, and then she said something inter- interesting. She said, I used to always wonder how people could work in a place that stinks all the time. That You go in some, hopefully not a restaurant, but like, you go in some places and there's always just kind of this odor. And she said, I used to think that was so weird, and how could you do that? But she said, I guess it's just the opposite of me. She said, I've gotten used to the flowers where I can't smell them. And I guess people that work in places that smell bad, they've just gotten used to the smell, and, and they don't, they're not aware that they're working in a place that smells really terrible. And I'm like, that's a, that's a good point. That's a fair point. I think in our, our Christian lives, we are, may even I would say also not Christian, people who aren't Christians, but are living in maybe some smelly aromas that we don't even know of, that we're not aware. What do I mean by that? Hey, can you guys put up the, our, uh, our sermon graphic? Not the, um, I, guess, I think we have two. There's, yeah, that one, perfect, thank you. Um, I think we live in this smelly aroma that you could just call false. Here's what I mean by that. You don't have to turn here, but in John chapter Eight. Again, that's not what we're going to be this morning. But in John chapter 8, Jesus says that Satan is the father of what? Lies. He basically looks, it's like he looks at Satan and says, you, you sit on a throne of lies, right? Best Christmas movie ever, by the way. <laughs> Maybe not ever, but a really good movie, Elf. Yes, yeah, Satan, that's all he does. All he can do is lie. It says in John 8, it says that's his character. That's his nature. All he does is lie. Like that's, that's, that's what he does. If Satan's... If, if, uh, what's there's the song, if, you're, if your lips are moving in their song, uh, help me out here. Megan Trainer, yeah. Lips are moving, la, 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 something like that. That's, that's Satan, right? If his lips are moving, he's lying. That's all he does. And I think whether we realize or not, I think we've, <laughs> even as Christians, often live in this space where Satan has lied, lied, lied to us. And we're like the person who works in the place that smells bad and has gotten used to it and doesn't realize it, I think we can live in kind of this realm of lies, of false, if you will, and not even realize it because we've just grown accustomed to it. Does that make sense? Are y'all tracking with me? Maybe some of those lies are, there's no hope for you. 
Or maybe one of those lies is, hey, your situation is never going to get better. Or another lie could be, hey, you're never going to change. You're just going to be the way you are forever. Or the lie of, you got to be perfect. Like, you do everything just right and perfect. You have to do everything that everyone else is doing too. So you got to be perfect. And I feel like, and I think most of you probably agree, in our generation, and I want to say our generation, I'm going to say like everyone in this room. I'm not thinking age category. I just mean this time on earth. I think one of the biggest ways that we see Satan's lies, see the false ideas take root in our lives and like, and you can say manifest themselves, themselves is through anxiety, through worry, through fear. Would you guys agree with that? I don't know how many folks, including myself, that I talk to, I don't talk to myself too often, but I don't know how many folks I've talked to that They would say, man, like, I'm just, I'm stressed about this. I'm worried about this. And then as you dig to the root of it, it's like, I have no basis for being worried or stressed about this. Like, I'm just living in this anxiety. And I think most of the time we would see that those those fears, those worries are caused by, by Satan's lies. Can you struggle, can you be, um, I don't want to say this, wrapped up in Satan's lies and and cause to be anxious and worry, even as a Christian? Absolutely. <laughs> Let's like maybe uh, uh, peel back the layer here for a second. We need to get rid of this um, misconception in the church that just because you're a Christian, you have it all together and that you're never stressed, you're never anxious, you never feel fearful. Like we still struggle with that. Amen? Not amen like, yeah, but like amen, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the reality. So this is a safe place to say, like, if you're thinking, man, I struggle with anxiety. I get in my head sometimes. I get worried. Like, hey, me too. And welcome to the club. I think most of us could probably raise our hand for that. I would say if you're not a Christian, then for sure you're going to, I would say, always struggle with worry and fear and anxiety because you're always going to be living under the, the false ideas that Satan throws at you. And so this morning, just as a, a time out for a second, if you don't know Christ, Jesus says that he is the way, the what? Truth and the life. And he says the truth will what? Set you free. Man, y'all should come up here and preach. Y'all ready. <laughs> the truth will set you free. So let me just create a little space, cul-de-sac here this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, we would love for you to turn to Jesus for salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he will set you free. Amen? There's not a way to, to ultimately live um, from underneath and outside of Satan's lies if you don't know the truth of Jesus, if you don't know the gospel. Which truth is not an idea. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. So if you don't know him, you need to know him this morning. But again, even as Christians, we still can struggle and, and end up buying Satan's lies. They kind of can tear into us and then manifest themselves. I, again, I think often in worry, anxiety, fear, things like that. Before we get to the text, I want to say something else about this idea. I think, and I'm guilty of it, gosh, often in, in the church we can have this idea of, hey, if you're stressed, you're worried, you know what, just like, just read your Bible a little bit and you'll feel better. And while we do say you should read your Bible, that will help you, 
it's not always just this quick fix, right? Like, I wish it was just like, you know, someone's worried, and you just hand them this little, that sounds so sketchy, but like, you just hand them this little pill, and they just feel all better. And maybe that does happen sometimes, but I would say your problem still remains, right? <laughs> that I, I don't have a, like, an anxiety pill this morning for you. If, if I did, like, that would be bad, right? So there's not a, there's not a quick fix. I don't want to make, I don't want to make light of, of this situation. So that said, I, I realized what I, what I was referring to in a second ago could be confusing. I do think in a lot of situations that it is right and good for someone to get some help, maybe from some medicine to help equal out their thoughts. You tracking with me? Or like maybe to balance some of the chemicals and hormones in their brain to help them. So uh, when I, was, I was trying to be silly earlier, and I wasn't saying you shouldn't take medicine. Are you tracking with me? Are we good? I do think it's like it's right and okay and even necessary often to go see a counselor, to go see a psychiatrist and and, and get some help. Point is, there's a lot of things that can help with anxiety and fear. Maybe, um, I think for sure, exercise is important. Getting good sleep. Like if you're like, man, I'm only getting, I'm so stressed, I'm so stressed, I'm only getting like five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep a night. Like, it's kind of an easy fix there. Try, Try to get a little more sleep, right? So this is not a one-size-fits-all, easy solution. But God does give us some ways to fight anxiety, to fight worry, to kind of crawl out from underneath the tyranny of Satan's lies, to loosen the grip of those lies that get a hold on us. And some of those tools that he gives us are found in Philippians Chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Philippians chapter 4. I think in this passage, we're not think for sure, uh, we're going to start in verse 4 in a second. Paul's giving some, some final exhortations to the Philippian church um, of man, what, how they should be living out their Christian life, how they should live out their faith. But in this, he clearly has a focus on, on peace, <laughs> on the opposite of anxiety. And I would even say, like, for my own life, man, the more that I've attempted to live out these truths in this passage, I do see how I come out from underneath Satan's lies and begin to push back anxiety and worry and fear. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to pray and then we're going to dive in. Lord, we're grateful for, um, man, just the chance to come and to worship and we're grateful for your word. And I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that you would, um, man, help us to see clearly, God, that maybe we would wake up to the smelly lies that we've been living in and kind of just surrounded ourselves with. And we, you would pull those back and we would see the truth. And God, not just that, that we would maybe this morning experience you loosen the grip of anxiety and uh, worry and fear, and that we would maybe just begin to walk in peace or with with a calm spirit. Lord, if there's someone this morning that is struggling and dealing with suicide, God, thinking about that, I pray that you would show them that is not the solution that's only going to make matters worse and hurt other people. And God, that maybe you would break the chains from 
of suicide on their mind this morning, Lord, and they would see the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that all of us would this morning see that you are the God of peace, that you want us to experience peace. It's not something that you keep aloof or something that you keep hidden or that you just toy with us, God, that, uh, just to joke with us, but you actually do want us to experience peace. So this morning, Lord, please show us how to fight for it. Show us how to fight against Satan's lies and to walk in the truth. And as we walk in the truth and walk with you to experience peace. God, thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word. We love you and it's in the beautiful, wonderful, powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So if you would jump in with me in chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. About what? Anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I think here's the first way he shows us how to fight for peace. And that is to be real with God. (laughs) You can choose to be troubled or you can choose to talk to God. You can choose to be anxious or you can choose to ask God to help you. Be real with God. He says, don't be anxious about anything. So here's the deal. There's nothing in your life that God's going to look at and say, hey, you know what? You know what, Jack? You should be worried about that, bro. Like, I want you to worry about that. We feel that way, but God is never going to say that. Like, man, Hunter, it's like you're talking with God, and he's like, Hunter, you're right, bro. You should be so stressed. Like, No, he never does that. You should be anxious about nothing, but do the opposite in everything. Pray. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So supplication, when it says uh, pray, prayers and supplication ideas, you're coming before God with a humble spirit to ask him. You're you're begging him him humbly to work in your life with thanksgiving. This this doesn't mean, so as I'm letting him out, he says, how should your request be made known to God? How should you ask him to work in your life? It's with thanksgiving. So it's not this idea of like, God, you know what I'm saying? I know you're going to do what I want you to. I know you're going to give me what I want, so I'm going to go ahead and praise you right now. Like, that's not the idea, right? That would be, that's name and claim it. We don't really believe in that. No, we don't believe in that. With thanksgiving, I'm asking God to work in my life, to, to show up big with a thankful heart, knowing whether it's what I perceive that I need or not, knowing that he is going to work. Like knowing that I can see a victory. It may not be the victory that I thought I was going to see, but I'm going to see a victory because like Genesis 50 says, what the enemy or even what we may or other people may try to use for evil, God will use for what? For good. Or you can remember as you're praying with Thanksgiving, the Psalms, that God does hear your prayers. I can't remember which Psalm it is. I think Psalm 40 something. But anyways, there's a Psalm that says that it's like God when, you, when you're praying and you're crying at night and crying out to God, it's as though he keeps all your tears in a bottle. Why would God do that? Because he cares, right? 
The idea is that he's every little tear you shed, every little heartbreak that you feel, he cares and he sees and he notices. So I'm praying with thanksgiving knowing that God cares and he sees. Or I can pray with thanksgiving remembering Romans 8. Not that just like, man, it's going to work out for good. No, what is the good in that situation? It is going to work out for good, but what is the good in Romans 8? That I would be made like Christ, <laughs> which is not always like what we perceive as good, right, in our flesh. <laughs> but you say, no, it is a good thing that through whatever you're going through, that God can use it to transform you, to make you more like Jesus. So I'm praying with thanksgiving, letting my request be made known to God, trusting that he is going to use it for good, that I, I am going to see a victory. So don't be anxious. Talk to God about it. And what happens when you do that? When you, when you pray, you talk to God about it? Verse 7 says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when it says, which surpasses all understanding. So even when my situation doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't make sense for me to have peace in whatever situation is going on, he can still give me a peace that overcomes my lack of understanding. You with me? His peace is bigger than whatever I'm struggling with. So even when it doesn't make sense for me to be at peace, you've, you've known people like that. You're talking to them, and you're thinking, how are you calm? How is your heart not restless right now? Because you're looking at the situation, but if they've got their eyes on Jesus, they can be at peace. He says, it guards your hearts and your mind. The idea there is like... Um, and uh, the military guarding a city to protect it from an invasion. Maybe to put it more in our terms, because some of you are in the military, you've experienced something like that more literally. But I like the idea of it's kind of like the peace of God is like a bouncer at your heart's door, right? <laughs> He's like, peace, or excuse me, fear, you don't belong here. Oh, anxiety, I don't think you're allowed into this club called Brandon Hayes, right? <laughs> you're not welcome here. He's a bouncer. The peace of God is a bouncer at your heart's door to keep out fear and worry, anxiety, as you begin to talk with God about that. Now, I've, I've used this with our journey folks before, but you can see it again. It'll be okay. <laughs> to try to illustrate what I think is going on here. Or, yeah, to apply this a little bit maybe. So let's pretend this, this uh, bowl represents my soul. I didn't check to make sure there's no leaks in this. Hopefully not. <laughs> That'll do it. <clears throat> Let's pretend this bowl represents my soul, and these ping pong balls represent issues or like worries, fears. Are you with me? So I'm supposed to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, let my request be made known to God we typically do two things with anxiety and worry and fear, things that stress us out. One thing we do is we try to, as, as these things pop up in our lives, is we try to push them down and act like they don't exist, right? Oh, I, everything's good. Everything's fine. Like, everything's good, right? They just keep, what do they do? They just keep popping back up, right? Right? Oh, I don't, I'm not stressed about work. It's good. Everything's fine. You're like, you're like why are you crying right now, right? <laughs> just ignore it. Or... We, we pick it up and we're like, this is just the worst. Things in my, like, I'm not trying to make light of it, but sorry, I, you know, I tend towards goofy, but man, my, my family life is struggling. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with my friends. 
I'm just so stressed. And what do we do? We obsess over it, right? We just like hone in and focus on it because we're so worried about it. I think this pastor is saying, don't deny it. He doesn't say, just rejoice always, everything's fine. No, no, don't deny it. Act like you don't have any issues. But don't obsess over it. Don't get anxious. Let your requests be made known to God. So rather than push it down, rather than obsess over it, I'm going to talk to God about it. So as these things bubble up my life and, and you, you're going to pray in the morning or whatever, and like all of a sudden you feel all this anxiety coming over, don't ignore it. Don't deny it. Don't obsess. Just give it to God. <laughs> hey, God, I, I'm, really, I'm really worried about what's going on in my relationships. I'm really worried. Like, I, I feel like I'm stuck in this rut in my life. I don't, I don't feel like I'm growing. Can you help me with that? And you know what's really cool when you do that? I feel like oftentimes as you, you're real with God, you talk to him, you let requests be made known to God. Often as you, you, you're praying about it and you, you, you give it to God, he looks at it and he's like, hey, I, man, you shouldn't be stressed because that's like that, that, that was a lie. Like, like and this too, Hayes, I, I love you, bro. I love you, son. But like, you're worried about this and that's all based off off of oh, a bounce. <laughs> that's all based off of a lie. Like, let, let me get that out of your life. And all of a sudden, as he begins, as I talk to God about what I'm facing and let my request be made known to God, I realize that some of the issues that I've been freaking out about don't even belong in my heart and life because they were what? They were lies. They were false. <laughs> Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, don't be anxious. Be real with God about what you're facing. Let him carry those burdens. I love that he, that he says, guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Aren't, isn't so much of when we're facing anxiety and worry and fear, isn't so much of that centered right here? Don't you ever get, get in your head? I think that's why he goes to these next verses in verse 8. Whatever is true whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How can you fight for peace? By choosing to focus on what is good and true. So first, you've got to be real with God, talk to God about it. And the second thing, focus, choose to focus, choose to dwell on what is good and true. I think it's worth just reading those one more time. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When he says think about these things, the idea is to dwell, to meditate on, to chew on what is true and good and lovely and pure. Where was Paul when he wrote Philippians? He was in prison, right? Do you think this was important for him? Absolutely. I think it would have been really easy for Paul in prison, as awesome as he was, to get discouraged, to get down. I think he probably could tell the Philippians that because he had to tell himself that occasionally. I'm going to fix my mind on what is true and lovely and pure and excellent and praiseworthy. I'm, that's what I'm going to think on. Let's be honest. How often, if we were to look at like the, if we could look at like the calendar of our mind and what we think about, how often do we think about the opposite I think too often we think about what is 
not true, what is dishonorable, what is unjust, what is not pure, what is ugly, what is not commendable, things that are not so great, things that are not worthy of praise, (laughs) don't we? We tend to set our minds on those things. We've gotten in this habit with uh, Haddon and Caroline Tate of on Saturday, don't judge me, but on Saturday mornings we go and get donut holes. It's very exciting. And um, I noticed this yesterday, by the way, for the first time. So they've gotten this habit because normally we get the donut holes and then we'll hand them one. And so yesterday I had my eyes in the rearview mirror to, to show you what I see from my perspective. So we, we make the order of donut holes, and as soon as I let my foot off the gas to roll forward, both of them in each of the car seats go, what are they wanting? Give me a donut hole, right? I remember the first time we did this on a Saturday, which Lauren uh, had gone. I did it because she was at a wedding shower, and I was like, we're going to have dad day. I took him to get donuts. And uh, Katie, who watches our babies a lot, told Lauren, do you know your husband is giving your children sugar? <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, we're at the house, and Haddon, at, of course, this was a few months ago, and so he was, they're, they're little anyways, but he was even smaller. And I think that morning he ate seven or eight donut holes. Um, and he normally, we don't do much sugar at our house, and so, or dessert really, so that was a big day for him. And it was so funny because I remember uh, he ate those, and he ran around for a few minutes, and then uh, again, mom was gone, so we turned on the TV and watched some Veggie Tales, Dad Day. And uh, I look over a few minutes, and he's watching TV. He's like, I can't really hunch over quite like he does, but he's watching TV, and he's going. <laughs> and I'm like, Haddon, you okay? And he looks at me, he's like. What was wrong with him? <laughs> That's not normally how, I, how he acts, by the way. <laughs> what he ate was not good for him, right? It tasted good. And I, sugar does taste good, amen? <laughs> but what you eat, what you put in your body affects you, right? The same way for your thoughts. I use that illustration because... I think when we choose to dwell on what is untrue, what is not excellent, what is not pure, what is not lovely, on and on, when we choose to think on those things, isn't there just a little bit something about it that feels a little satisfying that makes you want to chew on it more? Are you with me? Like when you're thinking about that gossip or that worry of like, maybe they're mad at me. There's, I don't know what it is. I, I don't have time to go into that or like to, I'm not a psychiatrist, but there's something in you that like it feels good, but just like eating donut holes, the problem is it eventually hurts you. I'm not saying donut holes hurt you, but like it makes you sick, right? Right? What you think on, what you dwell on matters. <laughs> Caroline Leaf in her book, uh, Switch on Your Brain, says that, uh, let me just look at it, I can't remember, it's like 75 to, eight, let me see here, sorry. 75 to 98% of mental, excuse me, mental, physical, and behavioral illnesses come from one's thought life. That's crazy, but I believe it. (laughs) And what's interesting, if you were to say, man, I know I need to be thinking on what is good and true and right. I need to fix my mind on those things so I can experience the peace of God. But you feel stuck. I would say, like, you probably, I don't doubt that you feel stuck. When you dwell on something, you create pathways, raceways, um, f- kind of fixed paths in your mind that your brain neurons just go to quickly, right? You with me? What's interesting, she, Caroline Leaf points out and switch on your brain, 
science is finally catching up with the Bible, and they're finding that your brain actually can be transformed. Romans 12, right? Be renewed by the renew- or transformed by the renewing of your mind. That your brain actually can be changed and be transformed. And how does it begin? By fixing your mind on certain things. So let me, like, again, just pausing here for a moment. I get that when you feel anxious and worried and stressed and it feels like Satan's lies are overwhelming you, you don't feel like you can focus on the truth. I feel that sometimes. Like, man, but I just feel so discouraged. How can I not worry? Here's, here's the thing. You can't control how you feel, but you control what you think about. You can control what you think about. You can. That's, that's uh, I would say, a biblical fact and a scientific fact. You can focus your mind on certain things. And here's what, again, science is catching up with the Bible. When you choose to dwell on truth, eventually that truth takes root in your life and it does change the way you feel. <laughs> I think that's why, why Paul says this, to fix your minds on what is good and true because when you do, it literally begins to rewire your brain. This is really cool science. It literally begins to rewire, retrack your brain. And when you do that, you will begin to experience the peace of God in your head and in your heart. So we got to be real with God and we got to fix our minds, regardless of how we feel, even when it's difficult, fix our minds on the truth, on what is good and beautiful. By the way, if you could give me one name that summarizes all of verses eight, or all of verse eight of someone that is true and pure and lovely. And excellent. If you give me one name that perfectly summarizes that, what would it be? The Sunday school answer is right. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Man, I don't know what to fix my eyes on. I, I don't need to focus on what is true. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're going to fix your eyes on what is true and beautiful and you want to fix your eyes on Jesus, what's a great way to do that? Dig into Scripture, right? Man, I would encourage you to memorize Scripture. That way when your mind is wanting to wonder, whether it be like impure thoughts or worried thoughts, Regardless of how you feel, you can say, I'm just going to start quoting scripture to myself. (laughs) And what happens, you begin to drive out the anxiety and the worry and the fear. You begin to drown out Satan's nasty, ugly, false ideas and replace them with beautiful truth. And from that, you begin to experience the peace of God. There's one more thing we're going to see here. So first, we're going to be real with God by talking to him. We're going to fix our eyes, our minds on what is true and good. And then verse 9, he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul there, he's telling them to do what he's already told them to do, right? Like, I've taught you these things. I've written to you about these things. Do those things. So live out your faith that you already know how to live, that I told you about. And what's going to happen? What's he say? What's he say? You can look at your Bible. It's not cheating. What's he say? As you live, as you do what he's already taught you to do, the God of what? The God of peace will be with you. What had Paul already told them to do, even just in Philippians? Man, you see in chapter 1, he had taught them to have a, a priority for the gospel. And uh, end of chapter uh, 1, verse 27, he says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Chapter 2, he says, don't do anything from selfish ambition. Be be a humble person. Verse 14, chapter 2, do all things without grumbling or disputing. 
Verse 3, he says, he counted whatever was gain as his own righteousness as loss so he could have the gain of knowing Christ. So he tells us, like reading through there, man, make your hope in Christ. Your cornerstone is Jesus. Your hope is built on him, his righteousness, not your own. As you live out what you know God's already given you to do, you begin to experience the God of peace. Because as you think about this, as you're walking how God has already told you to live, you're walking with him. And if he's the God of peace, then what do you get to experience? Peace. I think too many of us, we get stressed out and worried over. First of all, Rebecca, we, we buy Satan's lies that that we uh, have a lot of power over our lives, which we don't, or we buy Satan's lie that um, God is out to get us, and so we, we get stressed, we get worried, and then we start to wonder, like, man, well, what should I do with my life? What, what, is the, what is the thing I need to be focusing on in my life? And God says, just do what I've already given you to do. Love me, love people, focus on those things. And as you do those things, you're walking with him, and he is the God of peace. Isn't it true that when you hang out with people, they kind of rub off on you. I love yesterday, we went with some of the Journey guys and went and shot shotguns. And uh, Mauricio, my friend Mauricio is from L.A., represent Laker Nation, LeBron. Anyway, sorry. And Mauricio went with us, and I loved it. We were out there shooting, and he was like, man, this is cool. He was like, L.A. boys don't really, don't really do this. They don't really go out and shoot guns. And we were all like, really? And I'm getting <laughs> And, uh, and uh, he was like, this is really cool. Like, out here shooting guns. And I was like, we've already turned uh, Mr. Mauricio, L.A. boy, into like West Texas. Yeah, right? Because in hanging out with us, some of y'all are like, Brandon, you're still a poser. You're from Florida. But um, in hanging out with us, we rubbed off on him. And now Mauricio's turning into a redneck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's like, not cool. Too far, Brandon. <laughs> I think about my wife. When I, I still struggle with this. When I... When I first met Lauren, I was really still struggling with legalism, being a perfectionist, you know what I mean? Like trying to obey God perfectly and not so worried about that, that I wasn't enjoying my relationship with God. And Lauren, uh, I think one, just her demeanor, but also as the way that God has worked in her life, she really does a good job of walking in grace. It doesn't mean she doesn't care how she lives and like she still seeks to please and honor Christ the way she lives in righteousness, but she really does do a good job of walking in the gospel and walking in grace. And the longer we've been married, the more that rubs off on me. Does that make sense? The more that I quit like being a perfectionist about everything and start to walk in grace. Because as I walk with her, her life rubs off on me. Same way with God, right? He is, he is the God of peace. That's who he is. So as I live out my faith, not getting like, obsessed with like, oh my gosh, I'm worried about this, but say, hey, that exists but I'm going to do what I know God has already told me to do. So I'm going to focus on others. I'm going to pray for others. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to try to uh, walk in the Holy Spirit so I can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm going to do those things. And as I do those and as I walk with him and enjoy a relationship with him, his peace rubs off on me. Right? Because he is the God of peace. So how do you fight for peace? And you got to be real with God. <laughs> You got to talk to him about what you're facing. I love what uh, Paul Miller says in A Praying Life, great book on prayer. He says, um, prayer doesn't offer you a less busy life. It offers you a less busy heart. <laughs> and be real with God. I'm going to fix my mind on what is good and true. I'm going to do what I know he's already called me to do. 
So I don't have to get bogged down and worry. What should I do? Man, just do what he's already called you to do, whether you feel like it or not. I, I want to close this way. I, I, I had something a little different in mind, but this morning I like it made more sense to me, so I'm going to switch this up a little bit. If you make peace your goal, it's always going to feel elusive. If you make like getting, obtaining peace in your heart and mind your goal, it's going to be really hard to catch. <laughs> the key is to pursue who? God, right? If you get God, you get what? Peace. If I just pursue peace for peace's sake, that's, that could even be an idol, right? We don't worship God to get things from him. We worship God to get God. And in getting God, we get all of his goodness. Does that make sense? <laughs> so it's like this. I like to go hiking. Richard and I are going hiking on Tuesday. It's our second annual Paladero man's hike. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and girls, you're not invited, by the way. And on a hike... It's easy, or it can be easy. I think about it when we've gone up to Colorado and stuff. Not Paladero, this wouldn't really be the case. In the mountains of Colorado, on a hike, it's easy to do two things. To one, really, really want to get to the beautiful place you're going. Like if you've, some of y'all have been to Noah's Ark or really even or Rocky Mountain National Park, you have in your mind, like you've seen the picture, the Google image of like this lake you're going to get to. And you're like, man, I can't till we, wait till we get there. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be awesome. And so you're longing for that. And so... One thing that can happen is you can be really frustrated the whole hike because hiking can be hard, right? Especially if you're walking uphill and you got chicken legs like me. You're like, bro, I should have worked out my calves a little more back in Lubbock, right? And you're walking uphill. You're trying to get there. And you're, you're frustrated because you just want to get to where this beautiful place is. I think a lot of times that's how our search for peace is. Like we're, we're trying, we're fighting for peace. But we're like, I just want to get to where the beautiful place is. I want to have peace. I want to get there. And in that mindset, it's frustrating, and it can feel like it takes forever. So back to hike, thinking about hiking, I've found, a lot of y'all have found, whether it be with your family or friends, and if you haven't experienced this, one day you, hopefully you will because it's awesome. If you're hiking with a group and decide to just enjoy the people around you or the person around you, it changes everything. One, like, it almost distracts you some, in some ways from like the pain of walking uphill. It seems like you get to the peace faster and in the process, you enjoy the other person's company. And not even say, often like I, I remember this year at Noah's a couple times I'd be walking, have my head down and the people we were with would say, oh man, look over there. That's, that's beautiful over there. Or look to the right. That bear's about to attack you. No, that didn't happen. But, um, they, they could point out the beauty that I was missing. And in that, like, it was an amazing hike. I think if your mindset is not like, I want to get peace, but if your mindset is just, man, I want to walk with God, so I'm going to talk to him. I'm going I'm to fix my eyes on him. I'm going to walk with him. One of the things going to get you to peace a lot faster, because he is peace. You're walking with peace. And... As you're walking along through life, and some of your circumstances are difficult, some of them are hard, some of them feel like an uphill battle, 
God along the way is going to point out to you places of beauty. Like Psalm 23 says, places of rest, places of refreshment, because he is the good shepherd and he is the God of peace. So listen, finding peace, finding out the lies of, from Satan and, and walking in truth, finding out from anxiety and worry and walking in peace is less about a one-day smackdown of like, oh, no, I got peace. <laughs> it's less about a one-day smackdown and more about a journey, a process of talking with God, of fixing your eyes, looking at Him, looking at Him through Scripture, and walking with Him, living out your Christian faith. And as you do those things, you experience in the process the God of peace. Amen? So this morning, if you don't know Christ, again, you're not going to ever know peace, period, lasting peace, apart from the truth, who is Jesus. And so this morning, we want to invite you to turn to him for salvation, to, re to realize that apart from him, you're dead in your sins, to turn from your sinful life and to turn to Jesus for life, the hope and life he offers you because of his death and his resurrection. But if you are a Christian, man, as we sing this morning, my invitation to you is to ask God, one, to maybe like clear out the lies from in front of your face. You begin to see the truth of the gospel and walk in it. And that you would also begin to understand and experience peace as you talk with God, as you fix your eyes on him, your thoughts on him, and as you walk with him. A couple of us pastors will be back in the back at both sections of the coffee area and the welcome center if you want to pray with somebody or have a question. And if not, as we sing in a moment, we'll love for you, man, just to connect with God and experience peace with him as you talk with him and worship him. God, thank you for being a gracious God for loving us, and that you actually do care about peace. Lord, I pray that as we, as we sing this song this morning, that we would realize that you do drive out darkness, that you are the light. God, I pray that this morning that whatever lies we're living in, you would push those back. Whatever darkness may be shrouding our vision, that you would push that back so we can see you clearly and experience peace. God, thank you that you are the God of truth and a God of peace, and that you want us to experience that. Pray that we would, even though we know it's not just a, an immediate thing, we pray that even now as we meet with you, that you would help us to experience your peace. In your name we pray, amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.